Welcome to the Doctors in Podcast. Here we talk about healthcare topics with healthcare students. We're Ben Martin and Nathan Sieberg, second year physical therapy students at the University of Iowa. We created this podcast to provide free information on well being, health, and highlight many resources available to the students at the University of Iowa. Today, our guest is John Voller, third year student of pharmacy at the University of Iowa. We're here to talk about ADHD stimulant misuse. Welcome, John. Thank you. All right, so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the article that you wrote. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to talk about the topic of ADHD stimulants and their misuse, um, because it is something that's pretty prevalent on college campuses. Um, And there kind of seems to be the stigma that, you know, if you're not using them, you're at a disadvantage, which is, you know, it's an unhealthy way of looking at them. Um, And I think also these drugs kind of don't get the same level of scrutiny that maybe other drugs do, prescription or otherwise, on college campuses um, regarding their potential risks. So maybe sometimes you might hear, like, you know, if a doctor gives it to you, it can't be bad, right? Um, so that's kind of why I want to talk about this. Yeah, it was a great article. Um, I really appreciate that you had the kind of wherewithal to tell us a little bit more and inform us. So some of the stuff you talked about in your article, um, you said that misuse rates in college students of these drugs are anywhere between 23 and 42%. Um, can you tell us what are the common stimulants used on college campuses? And then how are people getting access to these? So yeah, basically there's the two families, um, the amphetamines and the methylphenidates. And, um, you know, brand names that you might be familiar with are like Adderall, Vyvanse, Ritalin, Concerta. Um, and I'm glad you brought up that statistic of the 23 to 42%, because you might look at those stats and think, like, wow, that's a big range. Why don't, you know, the data and literature agree? And I think it kind of brings up the definition when people talk about, you know, the terms abuse or misuse. Um, Because, you know, you can think of a situation where someone who doesn't have a prescription for these drugs um, is getting them illegally and maybe using them recreationally. And, you know, depending on how you define it, I might consider that abuse. Um, But then you can think of a lot of other uh, things that might fall under the umbrella of misuse, you know, where you might have someone who doesn't have a prescription, um, is getting them illegally, but is self-treating. You know, they feel like that's what's best for them, and they're, they're trying to do what's best. Um, and then you might have someone who, you know, doesn't have a prescription um, and might be getting them from a family member or someone who even does have a prescription for these medications and is either taking too much because, you know, they're trying to get more out of it and they're self-treating with their own prescription, or they might simply, you know, ADHD is a medication where you might have people who have a prescription for the medication and are accidentally taking it too many times. And that would still, in my definition, fall under misuse. And, you know, all those scenarios, I think, are areas that, you know, we as people in the healthcare world can have some level of responsibility, you know, kind of. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction, actually, and I never really thought of it that way before. Along with people who uh, misuse these drugs, there are lots of people who actually need them and uh, are very important to their success on college campus. Can you kind of talk about um, why the population that needs them needs them and how it helps them out in a college setting? Um, So kind of the pathophysiology for ADHD, as we understand it, um, is decreased dopamine and norepinephrine, primarily signaling 
uh, in the brain. And, you know, these neurotransmitters are responsible for, among other things, uh, you know, your reward system, executive function, focus, concentration, all things that we know are symptoms, um, are inability to focus as a symptom of ADHD. Um, and so the reason these drugs are so important is because they're great in increasing the levels of those neurotransmitters, dopamine and uh, norepinephrine. Um, and they're really effective. Adderall, for instance, has been shown to reduce symptoms of ADHD by over like 40%. And you know, for this reason, they remain our first line treatment. Um, just a quick, like second line treatments for ADHD might be like atomoxetine or guanfacine. Um, and there is a place for them in therapy, but they're just simply not effective um, in the way that they can. So on our podcast last month, we had another pharmacy student on where we talked why it's important, you know, not to share antibiotics with your friends and family. You should take your whole course. Um, but the sharing of drugs kind of extends to all prescription drugs. What's the prevalence and how important is it um, in sharing ADHD drugs? Yeah, so it's it's super important to remember not to do that. Um, first and foremost, it's illegal. Yeah. Uh, and then um, there's also several contraindications um, to taking types of medications, like if you have um, you know, predisposition for hypertension, um, tachycardia, fast heart rate, um, other cardiovascular diseases. Um, there's all sorts of things that, you know, if you met um, with your provider, they would say, no, this, this would rule you, these medications out for you. Um, and you, you know, or anyone who has these medications aren't always going to be able to know what those kinds of contradictions are, or if your family members or anyone you might be giving these medications to would have those. Um, and, you know, even if it were appropriate for the person you would give that medication to, to take that drug, um, it's, it's one, going to be inconsistent, right? Because especially when we talk about these drugs that are manipulating the chemicals of your brain, um, consistency is very, very important. Um, you know, the SNRIs, the SSRIs, other drugs, um, kind of in that psych realm, consistency is really, really key. Um, and, you know, if you're giving to them, like, oh, you're having a day where you can't focus, and you give them some, and then they go days without it, and it's up and down, it's going to, you know, really throw their uh, brain chemistry out of whack. And then lastly, it kind of just sets, like, a bad precedent. Like, you know, of course, like we talked about earlier, you could find a situation where, you know, maybe someone on college campus is like giving it to their roommate. Um, and of course that's bad, but even if it's like, you know, a parent giving it to like a kid, like that's kind of just a, a bad precedent to set that like, you know, you're kind of undermining the whole um, relationship that patients have with like the providers and that ability to like follow up and, you know, have that um, available to them. Yeah, so you, you did a nice job actually already touching on some of the side effects and some downsides of um, taking these drugs, and I just want you to explain a little bit more on what some of the, these side effects are in ADHD drugs, because I think a lot of people just see them, and see a lot of drugs as just kind of like a cure for something, like it like fixes this problem, when if they really knew the side effects, you're like, you wouldn't actually really take this yeah. drug. Like, And we yeah. talked about this last week with antibiotics, too. People think, oh, I'll take antibiotics for my cold, but if they realize that it would also bring on, you know, a terrible stomach ache and GI disturbances, they wouldn't take it in the first place. So 
yep. kind of highlight some of these side effects that might really discourage people from taking this drug if they knew about them. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of along the same line as antibiotics and lots of drugs. Honestly, uh, GI upset is going to be one of them, but even more so with um, these stimulants. It's not just you know going to make your tummy hurt. It's going to like decrease your appetite, and it could really lead to like weight loss in the long run. That's a really big problem that we see with these medications, is uh, especially with kids, you know, who are just have crazy metabolisms and they're just running around all day. Um, and even you know up at the college level, like we're talking about, um, you know, people who are really active can end up losing a lot of weight taking these. Um, also impedes growth suppression is kind of a thing. It's not really, you know, we're talking about college campuses, you know, you've kind of mm-hmm. gone through that whole growth process. So it's not as much as a concern, but yeah, impedes growth suppression can be an issue. Um, for anyone that takes these meds, you know, fast heart rate, high blood pressure, palpitations of the heart, um, sweating, insomnia, um, can be issues. Um, insomnia is a big one to talk about too, because, you know, um, as I'll probably mention later, sleep is very important for focus. And, you know, um, it's kind of you're walking this fine line where you're trying to keep yourself awake and attentive during the day, but if you're not getting good sleep at night, that's mm-hmm. also a problem. Um, and then uh, kind of the more serious side effects, um, psychosis, mania, hallucinations, even aggressive behavior have been reported. Not common. Um, and then the big ones, the kind of the black box warnings for these drugs um, are uh, heart attack, stroke, and like cardiac deaths. So like those pretty serious cardiovascular issues that you might suspect with keeping your heart rate extremely high and your blood pressure extremely high type of things. Yeah, I know we've all been through undergrad and we know those people that kind of, I mean, I, I know people that would <laughs> yeah. take Adderall and then yep. they get so wound up, they would have to go smoke weed to calm down and even yeah. try to help themselves sleep. So then it's just a never-ending cycle That's of exactly. stimulants and depressants. Yeah. Especially with, like, the, you know, the college population. Um, what time of day are they going to take their Adderall? Probably later in the day, cramming for studying mm-hmm. late at night. They're going to get zero sleep. Yeah. And that's the kind of the cycle that you were mentioning yeah. that you can get into with these drugs. Yeah, we know, like, sleep is so important for, like, consolidation of those memories. And so... Yeah. You know, cramming, and then you're not actually going to retain any of that if you're not sleeping. That's why you just don't sleep. You study right up until the 6 exam. 6 p.m. all the way up until the exam. <laughs> yes. So, um, can you talk a little, more briefly about kind of the mechanisms of action that these stimulants have? Um, you talked about the negative side effects that kind of have systemic effects, but just how do they work? Yeah. So, like I said before, um, the goal of these meds is to increase your dopamine and your norepinephrine primarily. Um, there's other literature that kind of explores different pathways like uh, serotonin, um, glutamate, and even opioid pathways. Um, but that's less studied. Um, but how these medications essentially work is um, they kind of block the transport of these um, neurotransmitters back into the um, vesicles. Um, so, specifically, they inhibit something called VMAT2, which is a protein, um, and basically makes these chemicals more available to the synapses in your brain, and therefore more firing down those pathways. Um, and then, you know, how the, that mechanism kind of relates to the side effects that you see with this, these drugs is, you know, if you increase norepinephrine, it's kind of like one of your 
what are called flight or flight or fight uh, transmitters. So it's also responsible for things like heart rate, breathing, and then blood flow to the periphery. So, so unfortunately, lots of our medications are not as selective as we like them to be. And that's just the nature of pharmacotherapy. So yeah. Yeah, unless you're taking something like topically, you know, <laughs> things tend to go yeah. all over your body yeah. and affect every part of you. Can you talk about? Uh, so we just talked about all the, you know, the negative side effects of these drugs. Can you talk about some ways that you can increase study focus and performance without taking drugs, some more natural methods? Yes. So like we said before, proper sleep is huge. That's like you said, how your brain consolidates memories, turns them from short term into long term so you can retain all that information. Um, and then, you know, all this stuff kind of goes into the big pictures, you know, like diet, exercise, um, mindfulness, I think someone else actually wrote a mindfulness paper yeah the actually the one of the leads of this project is Vijay wrote a mindfulness paper yeah that was and really I read good. her mindfulness so yeah definitely check out that article um, very good mindfulness techniques um, and then also I think a really good point especially for ADHD population is having a healthy reward system right because um, kind of the philosophy of having low dopamine low norepinephrine is that your brain the inattentive aspect of ADHD is that you're constantly seeking out um, reward. Um, and if you can kind of set up a habit of having a healthy reward system for studying, like, you know, get your studying done, go out to a restaurant with your friends, or anything, you know, that you enjoy that isn't, you know, um, misusing medications is, is going to help you more. Yeah, I know, oh, sorry. Um, I know a lot of people who uh, kind of live in a dopaminergic high, you know, they're constantly, you know, kind of addicted to dopamine where they're constantly doing things that are like yeah. pleasurable, like they're constantly like, playing video games instead of studying, they're in, you know, these constant dopamine states, and so getting in a, you know, a frame of mind where you're not constantly in a dopamine um, is definitely a learning process, and I see how people use these drugs to, you know, yeah. keep the dopamine going. It's not easy to do. No, yeah. it's not. And like we're obviously going to be biased more towards physical activity and exercise just from mm -hmm. our backgrounds, but there's a lot of literature out there about the importance of just regular activity and memory and memory consolidation. So Absolutely. just listen to podcasts while you run. So exactly. I don't remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, reward yourself with going on a run. Just yeah. Not a nice five-mile run. Uh, so you listed some great resources at the end of your article. Absolutely. So we talked about a lot of great things today, and really most of the stuff we talked about already really applies well to the undergraduate population, and that's where a lot of these um, problems are very prevalent in. Can you just give us like a like one nice takeaway for the undergraduate population about these kind of types of drugs? Yeah, so I guess the big takeaway for undergrads, I'd say, is respect everything you put in your body, right? Um, educate yourself on these, whatever you, can, you might be putting in your body, um, and don't be afraid to talk with a professional about anything you're using. So. That's a great takeaway. That's perfect. Uh, we have one final question. It wasn't on our sheet. Okay. Um, you got a <laughs> big answer. Okay. So we've been asking all of our people in a fight, okay. physical fight, okay. it's between a polar bear okay. and 250 angry chickens. The angry yeah. part is very important in that. The angry part. Who would win? I'm 200. I still am going to say the polar bear. I mean, I just don't think that the chickens are going to be able to get to that bird. You know what I mean? Like, I polar bears got that. some thick 
the inability just to kill birds. Like that's too logical. Yeah, to get exactly. through the polar bear. Yeah. There's not even the angriest chicken is not gonna be able to get through that, and that polar bear is just gonna have a feast. It's perfect. So, it is. Yeah. yeah. I even like penetrate the polar bear's fur and skin. It's true. It's the right answer. I mean, they gotta withstand like Antarctica. Like, oh yeah. Away. <laughs> that's true. Well, thank you for joining us. We really yeah, appreciate taking the time. Um, article was great. This interview is great. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely.